0: This is Bespoke, a podcast exploring the making of bespoke objects and experiences devised and hosted by Adriana Pace-Kent.
1: What does commissioning a piece of music, something with no tangible form look like? Today, we're here with leading composer Supriya Nagarajan to follow the creative journey of a composition exploring cross-cultural collaborations and traditions, the power of sound in relation to the perception of space and the rich artistic responses it invites. We've got an amazing interview with Supriya coming up. But to set the scene, here's a little excerpt from Amaya, Lullaby Sonic Cradle, a unique musical experience commissioned by Radiophrenia.
2: Ravana
0: Uh, you know right from about three years old I was always tuned into the sounds of nature around me so whether it's the birds or whether it's the sounds of the market or just generally sounds as you walk I remember skipping alongside my mother to go to school and just listening out for all those sounds that happen every day and the familiarity of them all and I think right from that point uh, sounds have interested
1: me So I guess, how do you capture cross-cultural conversations between Indian and Western styles and traditions in your work?
0: Whenever there's a brief or a commission that uh, I'm given, I'm very conscious of uh, the fact that I speak with an Indian accent in music. So when I think my music, when I compose, I'm always thinking about the raga system, the moods, the emotions. So when I ask my questions about the brief or when I sit down with the commissioner, I talk to them about um, what it is they want to capture there. And then I have this film in my head visually that I actually see this brief unfolding. So uh, every commission, I'm looking at uh, what the context is, what the cultural identity is, what the commissioner wants. and um, Up front, most of the commissions come because they are aware that I have an Indian accent in music. So they want something um, diverse and unique about the piece of work that they have commissioned me to do. So I'm delighted to not only bring the Indian accent, but also include the accents in the local area. And the, the people that I work with, the musicians, the collaborators, they are from different parts of the world. So, you know, we have a reasonably good A mix of uh,
1: sounds in there. Wonderful. So it's weaving all these different cultural threads together to create a beautiful kind of composition. Um, You've mentioned that when you are given a brief, you often start to see a film emerging, which sounds a little bit like a kind of synesthesia. Could you explain how the synesthesia shapes and influences? Your compositions?
0: I think uh, synesthesia is the biggest gift I could have been given as a musician or an artist. So it could be a winter evening with the dappling sunlight coming through the leaves. And you know, the piece is to unfold um, just on the riverbank next to a tree. I have to have a film that will unfold in a series of images that um, is very sensory so it it is about using the hearing using a, using my visuals using uh, using a sense of smell as well and that's synesthesia and it, it, that that is a gift because when i'm composing i also like to compose with the shapes that are gentle and swirling and meditative So I think it's
1: a preference, really. So you've touched on it a little bit before, but perhaps we can go into a little bit more detail about how the commissioning process looks to you and how you start the creative conversation with a new commissioner and how you manage their expectations along the way, because obviously commissioning music is very different to many other art forms where perhaps there are more readily accessible, tangible outcomes at different stages.
0: Absolutely. So the first point of call is to sit down with the commissioners and understand all the terms that they are talking about in the brief because multicultural could be a whole host of things and you know, what do you mean? Do you want uh, multicultural music? So do you want music from different genres? Do you want multicultural instrumentalists? And then the next stage would be to actually identify the collaborators that I would like to work with. So if the music demands a wind instrument and a string instrument and... You know, I would then work with people that I've always worked with uh, my first go-tos, or I would you know have if if it required uh, instrument from uh, say, the Middle East, then I would go and find somebody that would play that. and then I would talk to them, you know find a few people if required, talk to people and get everybody on board. And then it is definitely a session where you uh, jam and find out each other's Strengths, weaknesses, methods of working and sort of lead the scene. So um, stand there as a leader, but also a facilitator because, uh, you know, you want people to bring the best out um, when they when they do anything with music. And this whole process can be documented. So you can have snippets of uh, what we do, uh, snippets of how I'm thinking. So it could be purely a snippet of what something I've composed and I send it across to the commissioner and say, um, would you think of this uh, particular little snippet? This is what I think will work for that particular scene. And they would come back and say, yes, no, some commissioners will not want that kind of interaction. They'll want to see the first draft. So you send them uh, snippets of rehearsals and jams and composition work, but they might choose not to look at or uh, comment on all that. And so you organize for them a first draft session. So they come in and they listen to how the music piece is unfolding. And if they're happy with that vision and how it's going, that's fine. If they want anything changed, then we'll have a discussion. And it's a democracy. So we'll have a discussion. I'll make the changes uh, such that it doesn't take away my vision completely. So, I mean, you know, it's it's a balanced approach. Because the music is something that I'm visioning for this production. So it's if you do the homework well before... You won't have a situation where I'm thinking one and somebody is thinking the other and we are moving parallelly. And then there would be first draft and then there would be formal rehearsals into which the commissioner is invited if they choose to. And then there'll be a final draft which the commissioner is again welcome to uh, listen in, record. So, it could be a studio recording which is played or it could be a live music situation which you know uh, which is directed so it could be either or and that's how a uh, entire commission works um, as
1: an example i mean it's so music is so interesting because unlike other art forms it's so collaborative and it is so There is so much um, potential for interpretation, for ongoing dialogue with a composition. It's about, as you said, and I'm very interested in this, is how you balance your vision within a work alongside perhaps the interpretation of not only the people who will be performing it, but also the people who have originally commissioned it, um, which is, I imagine, quite a delicate balance to try and maintain.
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, music is very, very collaborative. And a lot of my work is based on improvisation. A lot of Indian music is based on improvisation. You do have set set patterns and set uh, ideas um, that take shape. But a lot of it is individuality. And many a time, you know, when I work collaboratively and, you know, we are all registering for royalties, Uh, It's a collaborative approach. So the musicians who have worked with me, um, you know, we agree on percentages of royalty so that because everybody has co-composed with me in certain aspects. And you can call it co-composition, you can call it improvisation. But if it's something that has come out of an individual's brain, then, you know, uh, it's due credit to them. Many of my compositions, I perform in because I think um, being a vocalist and a performer, um, there is an uh, there are sometimes clear expectations to say we would really like you to perform in this piece, uh, and it's a it's a fine balance. So I prepare the groundwork and the foundation for the piece, and then I'm uh, sat uh, in the middle of the piece, um, you know, improvising, vocalizing and delivering what the commissioner is looking for. Um, For me, the performance is as interesting as a composition. So, uh, you know, I I thrive in both atmospheres. And I think over the years, uh, the joy has been that I've identified collaborators that are, you know, my go-to collaborators that understand the methodology behind how I make things, do things. And therefore, we have a decent equation in terms of, you know, what is expected, how we can sort of complement each other and deliver what needs to happen.
1: It's wonderful how fluid it is. Um, You know, other art forms are much more static in their outcome. um, And that's what makes musical composition so exciting, because it's so dynamic and, and ever changing. Could you share an example of a commission where you've adopted a more kind of ephrastic approach and created a musical response to another artist's work. It would be lovely to learn a little bit more about how you approach those commissions.
0: That is a a very interesting uh, piece of work and I really enjoy doing that as well. Um, So the the first thing that happens is I research the sculptor uh, or the artists whose work I have to respond to. For example, we did some work with Peter Randall Page in, in the park and we did some work with Andy Goldsworthy's work, um, a few artists uh, and Jaume uh, Plenza and if, for Jaume Plenza for example he had brought his talking heads to the park He that's what he exhibited in the park and it's for me, as I walked into the room to actually um, look at the installation, it was so meditative. The fact that the heads were, you know, the eyes closed, uh, it, it, for me, it, they denoted peace. So that was the uh, emotion that I went with when I was actually composing a piece. So we did a concert um, for 45 minutes in response to his work. So I selected um, ragas or Indian melodies that actually uh, had a meditative quality and a sort of devotional feel to them. Because it was really important for me that the audience go on a meditative journey with a piece, just like they would in the space that the installation Uh, was located. So, that is an example of how I I would approach um, uh, a piece of art that is quite finite. A sculpture is quite finite. It has a depth and a meaning. Uh, We had another exhibition in the park. It was a film by an Indian filmmaker called Amar Kanwar. And he had actually exhibited, I think it was 150 varieties of rice grain from India. He was he was talking about climate change and he was talking about uh, bauxite mining in the tribal regions of India. And I took all that he had um, made the film about because the film itself was very peaceful. It was grass moving gently um, across the screen. And uh, I sat there for nearly, I would say about 45 minutes, just watching the grass move. For me, it was all about how do I represent the bauxite mining, the the hysteria of the bauxite mining versus the peace of this grains of rice and the uh, film? And uh, I chose to research tribal songs from the um, from that particular part of India and then compose them. And we had an afternoon of uh, tribal music with drums and uh, vocals, two people on vocals and drums. So every commission is unique and every commission is uh, special so uh yeah i'm
1: uh, so many fond memories i could talk forever <laughs> no it's 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 wonderful i just i like the idea the fact that music has the ability to really shift people's behavior and i'm just moving on a little bit have you been approached by other composers? And what projects have you worked on in response to a brief created by another composer or musician? We, in fact, I was rehearsing yesterday with uh, a composer that had
0: actually commissioned me to write a piece uh, for their duo um, during lockdown. So this uh, this is a duo of composers Um, who play the piano and flute and they are called Animo. So they said, you know, we want something that celebrates peace and harmony at the heart of it. So that was all their brief was. And we had a lot of fun rehearsing the piece and they haven't yet played that piece in, in, in public, but we've gone on to do hundreds of other things. So we went to... (laughs) <laughs> so we went and did a residency in Snape Maltings at um, in Suffolk, um, and developed a brand new uh, you know ensemble of work, and that ensemble is now actually going to Greece, and so we were rehearsing yesterday. So relationships are formed through various means, and you know to think that I had a relationship with a composer, I could it could have been as simple as here's the piece, you can have the piece. Late and I'm happy to help you with it. And that would have been the end, but it didn't. And, you know, you go on to have a fantastic relationship with uh, certain composers. So I've done uh, various uh, pieces of work like that. Still interesting for me.
1: And how does the commissioning process differ when collaborating with other musicians compared to working within the community?
0: I think when I go into a community, I go with a completely open mind because uh, what sometimes is visible to the outside eye is not what the community is sometimes. So I get to know the community, first of all. I I need to understand what makes them move and shake in that sense. Um, And, you know, what interests the community. So uh, if I'm given a sound commission, for example, it could be uh, we did a project with the Hepworth called... Uh, how does Wakefield sound? And the community in question there was a group of young uh, young people uh, who are from uh, who had come from different parts of the world. They were seeking asylum in Wakefield and they you know Hepworth wanted us to work with them. Behind the scenes, we wanted them to be able to tell us the stories of their life in a safe space and capture fragments of language and uh, you know I'm I'm very much interested when I'm working with communities I'm interested in the human voice because I think even though I'm musical and I sing and I have a singing voice and all that I think every human voice is unique and beautiful because it's got that uh, timbre which is you know, really unique to that person and personality. So what we wanted was the stories and capturing the sounds of the human voice in this sound walk that we created, the podcast that we created in the very end. So that would be a community project where I actually work with the community and make the music as we go along so that I feel the community with the music. And versus uh, working with collaborators if, if I worked with collaborators, I would focus on their strengths because, um, you know, it's very important that uh, anybody you're collaborating with feels comfortable, able to give their best in the situation. That is the difference between how I would approach the two uh, different kinds of commissions.
1: No, it's wonderful to hear how your kind of synesthetic approach is able to bring other voices into a musical context who might perhaps feel that they don't have the language to be able to connect with the creation of a composition but you're able to weave a story um that can uh, that can translate it's very it's was beautiful to hear um and i guess um Touching a little bit back on what what we've we've spoken about regarding the kind of life cycle of a commission piece, do you have much say over how a composition could be interpreted once it's been created?
0: I am not precious about how the composition is interpreted because I think there is beauty in uh, how uh, somebody actually looks at the piece, and if the interpretation is different to what I had initially envisioned. And I actually like the idea that it will have a life of its own after I have delivered it. And, you know, it grows into and morphs into something, uh, something beautiful. There might be instances when, you know, the visions don't coincide. But I'm really happy for the democracy to actually exist in handing over a piece of music because, um, that is how it will grow. If, if I was really precious about it and wanted everybody to interpret it in exactly the same way that I had wanted it to be, then uh, there wouldn't be that diversity of thought in the music. And for me, that's really important because time moves on and people move on. Music should also move on is, is, is how I see it.
1: No, there's a huge generosity there, which is uh, really lovely to hear. Um, I guess my last question really is, um, what's the most memorable commission that you've worked on to date? I think I've enjoyed
0: almost all the iterations of Lullaby Sonic Cradle. I've enjoyed sitting in a tiny little shipping container, singing it in Scotland. To actually doing a piece with the Iceland Symphony Orchestra in 2017, so all the iterations of Lullaby Sony Cradle have been fantastic and memorable. The Barbara Hepworth Commission at the Hepworth Gallery, it was really memorable because her drawings, when I mapped them to actually make the music and moved through the uh, contours of her sculptures, it felt so. Uh, sensory in my head. And, you know, she had this quality of all her sculptures being very smooth in a way. So for me, it was like a delight for my synesthesia. I could could be there and I could make the smooth music that uh, that sort of uh, uh, kept my brain rested in a way. You see, this is my chosen profession. I came into it very, very willingly because I wanted to be here. And that therefore means that every piece of work that I do is really precious to me. And I enjoy it uh, at that most. You know, I I take time, I think about it, I enjoy it. And it doesn't feel like work because I have done what is known as work. I've finished with that. I'm now doing what I enjoy, my passion. So it doesn't even feel like work. So I'm continuously thinking music. and enjoying every minute of it.
1: <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your insight into into the incredible work that you create. Um, so, thanks for for joining us today.
0: Thank you so much, Adriana. It's, it was a lovely interview. You asked me the best questions.
1: <laughs> well, many thanks, Supriya. For all her time, it was such a magical morning that we spent chatting together. Before I go, I'm going to end with a short excerpt of Places Unknown, a track from Supriya's debut album, Dusk Notes. Written to evoke the atmosphere of a pastoral winter's evening, the record lulls the listener through soaring vocals, palpable sounds of nature, and richly textural sonic landscapes. It's just wonderful.
2: Padani sadhika Gari sa nidhava gama badani sadhika Sanihava gama badani sadhika this is Bespoke.